Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Black and Abroad, an interview series highlighting the lived experiences of Black expats around the world. I am Kendall, Kendall Tyson, uh, your host. I'm a licensed therapist. I'm an educator, uh, finishing up my 14th year in education, and I am a fellow Black expat. We have a great discussion in store for you today. So I would like to welcome our Black Educators Abroad panel uh, to Black and Abroad. And I'll give everyone the opportunity to introduce themselves. So whoever wants to go first. <laughs> I guess I'll start. Go ahead. Hi, um, I'm Ronnie and um, I, have been teaching abroad since 2015. I've traveled to about 13 countries and I'm currently in Australia. Awesome. How long have you been in Australia? A total of four years. Oh, I was wow. here two years and then I worked in China. And then as I was flying back here for a two week break, that's when the borders shut and um, I wasn't able to fly back. Yeah. So I've been here ever since, but I'm about to hit the road soon, hopefully. So. <laughs> no bad, for sure. Thank you, Ronnie. Anyone else? Okay, I'll go next. Um, Gina Nelson, originally from Hartford, Connecticut, have been living in the UAE since 2014, but I've been abroad in and out of the U.S. since 2006, mm. and uh, last earlier in China. Oh, wow. Okay, so where were you in China? I worked in Suzhou and also Wuhan. Okay, okay. Fabulous. Welcome, Gina. Thank you. Uh, so running out, uh, my name's Alan Bradshaw. I currently live in Beijing, China. I've been teaching abroad since 2018. It will be my fourth year in um, August or September. Fabulous. So I am Kendall, the host, obviously. I have uh, been teaching, well, I'm not teaching. I've been working abroad in education. I'm a counselor, a therapist. I'm, I'm really just giving my bio all over again, right? Um, but I've been working in Beijing since 2018. My Chinaversary, uh, what we call it out here, is August 7th, 2018. So I'm rounding out my fourth year. Um, I'll probably be here for maybe two more years. And I'm going to repatriate back to the U.S. just to go somewhere else. <laughs> maybe like Mexico, uh, but definitely Portugal. Uh, so everybody in Portugal, hey, y'all, I'm coming. Just, I, I promise you, I'm on my way. Um, but yeah, I want to thank everyone. We might have some more people popping in later. Um, I'm really big on honoring individuals' time. So I just want to thank you for answering the call to participate in this, what I consider an amazing discussion uh, one of the major reasons that I wanted to do Black and Abroad was because we have very detailed, we have very intriguing stories as, as Black people of the diaspora that live literally all over the world. And I know that we hear this term often, um, representation matters. And so 
I think, I believe that people being able to see us living our best lives in various parts of the world kind of gives them permission um, or an opportunity to be able to see and visualize themselves doing the same. Because um, I, I wonder, how did each of you learn about the education opportunities abroad? Y'all can keep, you can keep uh, mics on. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll do my best. Yeah. How, did, how did each of you all learn about your educational opportunities abroad? Um, um, are you going first? I'll go first. Okay, no problem. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I'll go first. Mine's just really quick. Um, essentially, so I, I learned about it when I um, ended a relationship in <laughs> my last relationship. Well, not last, but my last relationship in the US. And I quit my job at the time, which was like a online real estate property company. And um, this guy just reached out to me, he said, hey, do you wanna teach abroad in China? And I was like, I have no educational background. He was like, no, 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 it's cool. We'll get you all the like experience you need. We'll do the certification, all of this and that. You just need to, you know, pass this and this and this, and you can come. Wow. So the ending of one mm. thing is always the beginning of something else. Beginning. Yes, That's absolutely. Cool. Thank you, Alan. Anybody else? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I actually um, ended up in the UAE specifically just doing a random search actually on the internet. I was delayed in the US because of a family emergency and started doing a research all over the internet and found TeachAway, which is an organization based out of Toronto, Canada. And they had opportunities in the UAE. At first, I was like, the UAE, don't know anything about the Middle East, yeah, but yeah. decided to apply and come. And, and, and the rest is history. Yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. Ronnie? Well, I was in the US and I knew I wanted to live abroad. Um, after visiting multiple countries, just going like two weeks because I was teaching and I would go two weeks, you know, just for um, breaks and vacations. And I wanted to live abroad. So I'm like, well, how can I get myself abroad? So then I just started doing my research. And then I was like, okay, what certifications do I need? And um, I saw the CELTA program. So I did that. And then afterwards, my resume started ringing like a Christmas tree. Just bling, 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 you know, lots of opportunities. Wow. But I couldn't go right then and there because it's not just me. I have a family. So um, once my family moved abroad and we moved to Australia, um, I didn't have my visa at the time. So I was like, okay, well, I can't stay here and not work. So where can I go? Yeah. And then I started applying in China. I'm like, okay, China's kind of right there. It's not too far. So I put in an application and got accepted and that was it. Wow, wow. So very different stories. I would say mine, very unconventional. I've always wanted to live abroad since I was young. I even, my first major in, uh, in uh, college, I went to the University of Texas. I majored in international business. I wanted to uh, be an international attorney. Um, and we had a, a partner program with a school in Barcelona. So Barcelona was the place that I knew I was gonna go. But you know, God has other plans, right? 
Um, so I changed my major marketing. This is my third career, actually, as a therapist, a business owner, educator, what exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. But in the heat of wanting to transition, I had um, at one point I was an administrator and a teacher that worked on my team. We're, we're still really good friends now. She and her husband moved abroad. And a few years later, she's like, so you want to, you ready to come abroad or not? We got a position open. I had finished my counseling degree. I finished my licensure. I was ready to move to another city. Didn't know it was going to be another country. Um, and I was just like, well, no, the first time she reached out, I was almost done. I wasn't done. And y'all know us, we can't do anything if it's not done to completion. So I was like, well, I'm not done yet. When I'm finished, hit me up. So the next year, again, all right, this council position is open. Are you coming? Okay, cool. Let me apply. Let me send you my stuff, send you my resume. I honestly had my interview over Skype with her boss, my former boss, while they were on layover in Tanzania. Um, had another interview the following week. Um, and this is nothing but God. I got the inter I got the job as I was doing one of my small groups with my group of boys at my school on my mother's birthday. I got the email and I was just like, okay, so this is meant to happen. And it felt right. Did y'all experience like any trepidation or fear or was it just like, okay, cool. It's, it's, it's a new move. Okay, I'll, I'll start this one. I was terrified. <laughs> the scared wasn't the word. I was beyond scared. I was like, what did I just do? Like signing the contract? I don't know about this place. I was looking at YouTube videos. <laughs> and it was actually three days where I really just couldn't sleep. I felt like I was in a daze. I was yeah. that scared. So it was seriously scary for me. But I did it. What got me on the plane was the fact that if I didn't like it, I had my own money and I would fly myself back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I won't say that I was necessarily terrified, but not knowing the Middle East and because the customs are so different from the U.S., yeah. I wasn't sure how I would fit in. And in fact, most of my friends said, leave those tight skirts home, <laughs> leave those short stuff home. So yeah, but it ended up being wonderful. But I have to share that when I first arrived, um, I actually cried my first day. So I was like, what am I doing here? Mm. When I landed and someone picked me up from the airport and I was in the hotel room by myself, mm. I was like, what am I doing here? I got wow. over it really quickly. And it's been a wonderful experience eight years later. Wow. Wait, you've been over there eight years? Eight years, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, that is amazing. What about you, Alan? Yeah. Um... Oh, no, I was definitely scared. Actually, um, I was nervous. So I had gotten my visa, I think, the week before I came here. Like, literally, it was, like, so close to the deadline. And um, actually, I temporarily went back to the ex that I had broken up with because I was just like, maybe this isn't for me. And then, actually, um, the job that I applied for before, like, um, the EF came back to me um they had to respond and say hey we have this great hr position if you want it you can take it because i was wanting to transition to hr but um yeah he was like no you need to go if you don't do this you'll regret it it's only a year and that year turned into almost four years now 
And yeah, I, I guess it was just meant to be. Yeah, of course. I think it sounds as if, I know, especially for China, people are always like, the time that you think you'll be there, go ahead and extend it um, because it always yeah. works out to folks being here. I know one of my friends was like, well, I only thought I was going to be here for two years. I've been here 14. And I'm like, okay, that won't be me, but I'm glad that it works out, you know, in the way that it has. I have a question before we get into the actual, actual questions. How has this opportunity or these opportunities allowed you, I'm learning more about this thing called the FIRE movement, the financial independence, uh, retire early. Um, a lot of that's been coming into my consciousness and my space. And I'm wondering how have these opportunities of living abroad um, been able to help you put yourself on a different like financial path, retirement path, if those are things that you're interested in? Um, actually I started to actually open like investment funds and savings funds when I moved, like before, cause I moved here when I was 26, I'm 30 now, no, I was 25 going in like 30 now. And, um, I didn't even think about it. I didn't, I was like retirement plan. Why do I need a retirement plan? I'm 20, 25. I'm like, I don't need this. Yeah. And, um, after like two years later, I'd say like either last year or the year before I started actually having a savings account. Um, honestly, because also, honestly, because the pandemic, because I was like, God, you can't find a job right now. No one wants to hire you. So I was like, I need to, after I got my next job, I just started saving. Then I started opening investment accounts. And I was like, I want to buy my house when I'm 35 or, um, at least 38 and I'm on my way to doing that. So that's nice. Congratulations. So it sounds again, as if the Thank uncertainty you. that the world has been facing kind of helps to shake you, to help you to uh, resource your priorities. Right, immediately. <laughs> I think that was for everybody. That's actually when I started my YouTube channel is when COVID hit, I was home for Chris, was that Chris? No, that was Chinese New Year. I was home for Chinese New Year. Um, COVID hit. My flight got canceled and my anxiety spiked. I was just like, okay, what am I doing with myself? I'm in my parents' house for nine months. I have to be productive. How do I utilize these skills? Um, working 13-hour difference. It was terrible. But then it's like, out of this discomfort, out of this uncertainty, Cause I don't know when I was, I had just got a new job before I came home um, for uh, Chinese New Year, thank God, um, at the school that I'm at currently. And it, it, I was just like, okay, I gotta do something to kind of help myself because I'm just, I feel like I'm going crazy. What am I gonna do? Um, and that's when starting this, trying to help people through my own struggle to kind of be able to ease themselves out of theirs. But in that, it's like, all right, so how am I saving money? I've always been good about saving money, but it it's just been different with all of this happening, the level of independence that these types, the lifestyle that we have provides us. At least for me, I've paid off so much debt and try not to reacquire it. Um, and, you know, really looking at, I know that living abroad is going to be a part of my life forever. I may not necessarily live in another country forever. I might do it part-time, but what does that look like? So I, I kind of get the sense for myself that 
there's just a level of permission and freedom and like so many open doors that we're able to walk through because of this experience that we've been able to take. So uh, ladies, do either of you wanna, would like to respond? Sure. Um, oh, sorry, okay. Well, I have to tell people, if you're coming to the UAE, you can actually rack up debt so easily. Mm. Um, I live in Abu Dhabi, but Dubai is just down the road. Uh, glitzy, glam, everything. You could spend your money every weekend going to brunches, hanging out. So one of the things, I didn't know I was going to be here eight years. I thought I was only going to be here for one year, one year renewable contracts, what I originally had. And literally, if it wasn't for a conversation that overheard in a car one day, I probably would have just been spending and traveling. And the traveling has been great. I've been to 54 countries now. So it's been amazing since wow. being here. Since being here, I've been to 14 new countries. So, so because you're literally in the middle of the world. But my recommendation is find a financial advisor as soon yes. as you get here. I now have one and mm. I've been doing investing. So it's working out well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. We, we have a level of privilege that maybe the local communities that are in the countries that we live don't necessarily have access to. You know, mm -hmm. our expenses are paid, um, housing is paid, and then you have this influx of cash. And it's just like, if you, if you don't know how to manage that emotionally and have a plan, like you said, <laughs> Gina, it can get out of hand very quickly because there have been many months that I have had to tap into my US savings because I was just spending. <laughs> What about you, Ronnie? Yeah, I mean, I'll piggyback off of that really quickly because when I first got to China, oh my God, everything is so cheap. The hotel stays, the fruit, you can walk right down there. Everything was so cheap. So, yeah. I, you know, I was like, all of that at first was kind of, I went out the window. I couldn't believe how, you know, you can get on the speed, fast speed train and, uh, everything that you can do everything was just right there everything yeah. was fast 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 and I could live the life of luxury at such a cheap rate so I kind of went berserk a little bit but um, <laughs> after a while you kind of settle in and you know, reel it back in and kind of get yeah. focused yeah yeah I, um, the it was difficult at huh <laughs> it's difficult because it's just like whoa that's it that's yeah. all it costs and you're staying in like top quality hotels. Yes. This is what I like. This is what I love to do. Five star only. Hotel, <laughs> travel everywhere. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So it's difficult. It is. It's kind of like, I don't know, coming from the U.S. The prices shocked you. It shocked me. And the access is different. Yeah. yeah. It's just so much more access. And that doesn't mean that it's without like racism. It's just different though. Um, I get, it's, it, it's like, you got to have a whole nother paradigm shift, a whole nother mindset shift to, mm -hmm. I'll say this, obviously one be black and living in a, another country that doesn't have a predominantly black population, um, mm -hmm. really have a strong sense of self and priorities coming here. Mm -hmm. And just being here, it's kind of, I, I sometimes feel like that would be wasting the opportunity that is before you, but that's just me and my therapist mm -hmm. mindset. Um, I don't know, but what, 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 let me get into one of these question questions. Um, <laughs> even though all the things that we've talked about so far are very important. So we talked about kind of like your pathways abroad, 
Tell me what is it that you appreciate most about being an educator, an expat educator? Um, okay. I guess I'll start. Go ahead. Oh. Yep. Go ahead, Ronnie. Good. Um, just really quickly, I guess being someone that students who never, literally, never saw a person like me, or never met a person like me before, and this has happened in China, of course, and yeah. Australia. How weird is that? Really? So, and yep, the universities. Yep, and it, you know, there was a student that came up and. He liked me as a, a teacher and he was just felt comfortable in saying that, you know, you're the first African-American that I've met, like in real life, that I haven't seen on television. And this was here in wow. Australia. That was wow. a little shocking, like, wow. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So just being that positive uh, person that people can like see and they can see what we really are. You know, we're not all basketball players and singers and, you know, every time hip hop music plays, we're not ready to dance and whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's not like that. We're, we're just like you. We just have more melanin in our skin. And that's about it. Yeah. Yes. I think we all have the same story, right? <laughs> well, I have the, uh, yeah, I have the advantage of living, obviously, in a country where everyone's brown. So you know, people from UAE are typically brown. So yeah. we don't experience the racism at all. And it's not different for them to see an American. In fact, we were actually heavily recruited as Americans. I would say as Americans, people who are coming from the UK and Australians are heavily recruited here to help um, with their whole reform, educational reform system. So it's not different in that sense, but they definitely welcome Americans. Yeah, and they do a lot of heavily recruiting, surprisingly, like in Atlanta. So really, yeah, and I think because I think because uh, as black women and black men teaching, we have to have we typically have very strong foundations in terms of discipline, yes. and then the boys over here. They're all over the place. I heard, I heard, listen, I heard. I heard. I actually thought about a job in uh, Abu Dhabi. And I was like, yeah. people were like, don't take his place here. Da, da, da. I also yeah. wonder, when I think about that, the whole, you know, Black and the correlation with discipline, I also believe that there is a, a heavy emphasis on relationship building. Because you cannot discipline people in an empathetic manner that you do not have a relationship with and there be progress made out of that. So I think our abilities, well, I'm wondering, y'all let me know, our abilities to be able to connect because most Black and brown people I know, and that doesn't exclude anybody else, are very relationship centered. Like we're relational people. We learn from people that we like. We learn from people that we trust and that we feel like we have a connection with. And I think you can, uh, that goes a long way, like that emotional intelligence, that social capital goes a long way in the communities that we're, we're able to serve. So that's just my thought. I mean, Alan, do you want to share um, before we move on? Oh, um, I was just going to say, just like Ronnie, kind of like just having like a brown, black face and then just like she said, like not being uh, Kobe Bryant or not being a Beyonce you talk. Me, like not being compared yeah it's like I don't want to be compared to these people I mean like I love these people these are truly inspiring people but you know like you were saying the black diaspora is wide and it's not a monolith and I, I feel like since moving here that idea of 
us not being a monolith has been reiterated again and again and again. And then I do appreciate that my, my young Chinese or Asian students, like sometimes they feel more comfortable with me than their own parents because their own parents just maybe not even around to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I would say for me, um, what I really appreciate is um, obviously some of y'all just getting to know me, some of y'all know me. It's the importance of being able to help break stigmas when it comes to mental health. So coming uh, from in this packaging, speaking loudly and boldly about how do we promote mental health, break the stigma, build community in this sense and creating a platform for people to feel safe to do that, I think has been one of the most, the things that I appreciate most about being here. As a black woman currently working in a British school, it's challenging everyday culture-wise for me. Um, but I know that there's, I think a level of acceptance when it comes to hearing the message of mental health, giving people permission to be open and share their story, knowing that it can be okay, knowing that you're not alone and that you have someone that's not judging you. And again, they get the opportunity to experience a different culture and have a, a similar cultural understanding when it comes to being a black or brown person um, and a framework of, well, these are the types of issues that I deal with in my family when it comes to mental health uh, that you've experienced too. So you've been able to get to this point. So maybe I can too. Um, and really helping them to kind of see that like there's a path when you leave here. Because as for some of the Asian students that, we, that I have, you are of the majority here. That's great. But you're trying to go to countries that you aren't. That's a shift. So being able to help them to kind of be a bit more forward thinking and how are you going to take care of yourself? That's something I totally appreciate about being here and the work that I'm able to do in the populations that I serve. So um, yeah, if y'all have follow-ups, please feel free, you know, to chime in. That's, that's the whole point of this particular discussion. Um, I would say, so here's one of the questions that was posed uh, to me and when people signed up. Well, I wanna say that this is April. What is today? April 16th? It is April is Stress Awareness Month. And <laughs> we know research says that workplaces are some of the largest sources of people's stress. So one of the questions that was posed is, what is one thing your employer can do to make your work environment feel safe or comfortable for you to continue to work there? That is a loaded and really good question. So who would like to begin the descent into this answer? <laughs> um, I'll start. I, I think one of the things that, you know, cause I work for a rather large school and there's like, I think it said like close to a thousand staff members oh, wow. um, at our school. Yeah, it's a big school, like thousand faculty members, like, um, 5,000 students, so it's a big school. But um, I think something that I really would appreciate if they would be interested in, if they would be interested in, is like having maybe more like company functions, 
where people get to know each other because I still I still feel like I don't know half my um, <clears throat> faculty members. They don't know me. Um, a lot of times I just get confused with the other black guy, the two other black guys at my school. They'll be like, oh, Colin, I mean, Alan. And I'm like, okay. Mm. Wow. Oh, yeah, no, I could understand that. Um, yeah. For me, yeah, I'll, I'll oh, okay. go ahead, <laughs> Okay, sorry, I'll, I'll go this time and we'll switch. Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, interesting enough about our culture, so I, I don't know how much everyone knows about um, Arabic culture and Islamic culture. So they have this expression, inshallah, which yeah. means if God wills it, yeah. um, which is beautiful in one sense, because it's like, okay, you have to be really patient, exercise your patience. But then on the other hand, when it comes to the work environment, we get so much pressure because there've been so, I mean, on the managerial level. So we have so many shifts every single day and everything is top urgent, top urgent, top urgent. So I think for us, a lot of training around um, manager, people who, who are an admin around, you know, just prioritizing. That's one, um, because not everything is top urgent. And yeah. it does cause, I'll be honest, it's been a stressful job especially since COVID. It's yeah. been extremely stressful for me. And one of the things I noticed I've had to do personally is just set boundaries. Mm. So really be clear about the boundaries. Um, you know, I'm not going to answer a call at 10. I, I'll easily get a call from my line manager at 10 p.m. on a week, e you know, evening. Yeah. And I don't pick up. And I, I'll address it the next day and say, you know, if it nothing's burning down, <laughs> no one's uh, going to the hospital, it can right. honestly wait. So for us, I think also teaching individuals that there are times we, we all need time for ourselves, our mental health, to tend to our family, whatever. But for me, it's been important to set boundaries. I'll yes. be honest. Yes. Thank you. Us. I agree with that. Like my time is precious. And if you want me to show up to work and be my best self, this is my cutoff. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Ronnie. You had a, a comment? Yeah, I mean, um, I was just going to piggyback off of um, what Alan said. It's it's um, because when I was in China, all of us teachers, we just kind of formed our own little groups and kind of met up together. It wasn't, um, administration really didn't have much to do with that. So, of course, it would be more helpful if they would create opportunities for teachers to get to know one another or whatever, but... For the most part over there, you got to do it yourself. Yeah. I, uh, my experience. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I would also say, just in my perspective as one of the counselors um, at my school and as a professional that works with a lot of educators, one of the things that I, I used to serve on a well-being committee that's shifted is depending on where you are working in the culture of your school one of the things I think is really important is to acknowledge and take action on, you know how we do this, the surveys at the end of the year, um, employee perception surveys, things of that nature, to look at what the common pain points are and allow teachers to help formulate solutions to those pain points. So many people that I met and, and myself personally feel sometimes as if we y'all ask us for this, but does it really matter? So how do, how do schools 
take into account and demonstrate that well-being is important, that boundary setting is important, that creating opportunities for connection and understanding and empathy and learning one another, building a community is important. One of the challenges about moving abroad is that you spend a lot of time at work and if you are unable to foster healthy connections, I'm not saying that you go to work to make friends because I know that I don't, but in the event that you connect with people that way, that's great. But because you spend so much time at work, how are you creating an environment that promotes balance, sets boundaries, um, makes it important, emotional intelligence and cultural understanding. We work in international schools, but the research states that a lot of international schools aren't very culturally sensitive, um, depending on where you are. So I would say as a mental health professional, educating, providing people to come in, providing services for staff to be able to take care of themselves, engage a community, um, symposiums about well-being, and taking their, their honest opinions and thoughts into consideration when you're formulating programs and processes for the pre for the prior year, like the coming year, um, I would I would suggest that those be some things that schools do. Like I do not want to. One of the questions that I have when I do look for other employment is, what does the school do to promote staff well-being, balance, and reduce burnout? Because if that's not an active thing that you're engaged in, that's not a place that I want to be. So what I did say was when I'm looking for places to work, it is asking them, um, what are your policies? What does the school do to promote staff well-being, to help reduce burnout and to create like work-life balance? And if, if the answer for me is not satisfactory, then I choose not to go there. Yeah. Even internationally. Can everyone hear me? I, Kendall, your, your bandwidth is still low. It's going in and out. I think you said, um, what are they doing to prevent burnout? Yes. And promote yeah. work-life balance. Is that yeah, what you said? I don't know. What's happening with my internet? I'm so sorry, y'all. Okay. Yeah, it's going. Uh, no, I think that's a good question. I'll, I'll share what um, we've done. as mm -hmm. Because uh, as I mentioned, I'm in administration. So we did um, quite a bit as middle leaders. We did quite a bit um, in terms of collecting surveys. Um, we did it on our own and no one gave us any kind of permission to do so, but we thought mm -hmm. it was important. So during COVID, we did do some qualitative surveys, sent it out to the teachers, um, individuals who we consider our middle leaders. And we got that data back and the same thing, everyone's saying they're stressed, they're overwhelmed, et cetera. Um, nothing was being done at the school to address work-life balance. So we decided as middle leaders to actually create a well-being series. And we started it, um, we started meeting during COVID, like I would say like around May, um, in the thick of things. And then the next year we implemented it. And first it was just a, a drop-in um, time period. We gave teachers, we said, come in. They just came in. Uh, they brought their coffee. We literally call it a coffee chat. They came in. Um, there was no kind of structure initially. They would just share what they're doing the weekend, highlight from the week, et cetera. And then we started providing a little more structure because we said, okay, we want this to really benefit individuals. So we did another survey, asked individuals what topics they were interested in. Yes, I'll go next. Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Rani. Uh, well, Thank you for sharing though, Gina. Me, um, 
what I did was I just hung out with people that I liked, you know, the teachers that I liked. Um, I got to know the students. I was just kind of open to the whole experience. Um, I started learning the language a little bit. And, uh, and everything over there, since, you know, English is not the language, everything for me was uh, is an experience, right? So, I mean, it, it was overwhelming for a minute, but it's like you're in there with the other teachers. You're all going through the same thing. You hang out with the teachers that you like and you vibe with and you go out and we hung out and we had lots of fun together. And, uh, and then I love the food um, where I was. Where, like, China or Australia? Uh, China. Well, I okay. mean, uh, the food here is good too. You know, I'm in Melbourne, so the coffee's off the chain. And um, the food in Wuxi <laughs> was just fabulous. Fabulous. I loved it. So um, just get in there, you know, like whatever you, whoever you vibe with, hang out with them. Make sure that for me, uh, one, one rule was to always hang out with people that enjoyed the experience. Yeah. Not to hang out with people complaining. Stay away from those people the people that are enjoying yep. themselves, hang out with them because that energy, you know, you'll catch on to that energy. And um, that's what I did. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing. No problem. Um, my, my thing about burnout, um, actually, recently I had to, I, I kind of have to like hit a reset button because, um, I think because of the stress between work and then like I'm also um, applying for schools for my master's degree here in China and then also back home in the U.S. Um, my I just had a recent incident where my blood pressure hit an all-time high like don't really have any history of like having family with hypertension. Um, well my mom said it was my grandmother but her my mom and my dad athletes never had problems and um, I think now I just have, what's really important is setting quiet time to yourself. Like you said, going back to setting boundaries and like maintaining like a healthy work-life balance, which I don't think my company is really promoting, like my school is really promoting, but I've seen me, I've seen other staff members, just come into the office and they just look like the soul has literally left their body. Wow. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that yeah. you recognized that while you don't have a family history of high blood pressure, there, act, there has to be some sort of precipitating event or situation and antecedent for that to happen. And it sounds as if where you are right now, trying to progress, which happens, like stress is not the issue, right? We all have stress, but when you notice that it's yeah. more intense than your level to cope, that that's a problem. And if you notice that it's affecting um, work, relationships, you know, and how you're being able to deal on a daily basis, those are some red flags that I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to. And I'll just say it as black people, we like to push through. And sometimes in the communities that we're working in, there's this, I'll, I'll speak for myself for sure, there's an, an unconscious yet sometimes conscious need to prove myself. 
I'm professional, especially when yeah. you have certain work trauma. And I do have, you know, <laughs> you know, work trauma that even as a professional, I'm still trying to process. So there's like this, no, I can't let people see that I'm struggling. I don't want people to question my competence. Yep. All these things that get in the way. Um, and that leads to burnout. That leads to dissatisfaction at work. That leads to not necessarily doing your best. And we know that that can lead to um, negative health outcomes. So these are some strategies. I work with lots of educators when it comes to dealing with burnout, identifying what does it look like and being able to heal from it. I just sent um, something in the chat that I just made the other day that y'all can take with you. But for those that are watching, these are some ways in which to heal from burnout. And then, and what that is, is just an extreme amount of stress that leads to like work dissatisfaction, cynicism. Uh, you tend to have like work refusal. You're really not showing up as your best self, right? And one of the most important things is to assess your values. You know, what you value as far as work, and um, professionalism, is that in alignment with where you are? And if not, that's, that's an open door for you to be able to do some recalibration, some reflection, maybe make some plans about what it does look like for your professional future. And another thing is to practice gratitude. There's everything can't be going wrong, right? Um, I think Gina stated that where she is, everything can be seen to be urgent. But there's this term, you know, this phrase that if everything's urgent, nothing's really urgent. Um, and being able to prioritize what, what are the most important things happening professionally, personally in your life. And so another thing that people can do is to gauge in healthy social connection. I know that Ronnie has spoken in depth about that. And it's really important. We are social creatures. We need to be able to engage with others that helps us out of depression, that helps us ease our anxiety. And one thing that Ronnie, you did say was hanging around the right people because that energy is palpable, right? It is easy to uh, be energized by people that, that are looking for the bright side, are positive, not toxically positive, but it's also right. easy, you know, easy to take on that, that negative energy. Like cynicism is... Um, what is the word I'm looking for? It is contagious. <laughs> um, and it's, it's contagious, key, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's key to like assess your circle. Um, another one would be to devote time to your hobbies. We live in countries where there's always something to do. So if that's getting out of nature, if that's learning how to do pottery, knitting, uh, hiking, whatever it is that's going to help you to get out, get involved, connect with yourself, be creative, have fun, that's going to help to help you heal from burnout. One of the ones that makes them it sounds so easy, but it's so difficult sometimes. It's getting good sleep, eight hours of good yeah. sleep and eating a healthy diet. Those are gold standard. Um, and scheduling you know, regular time for exercise, at least three times a week, at least 30 minutes a day. That can be walking to work. You know, that can be so many things. Um, so just being really intentional about the way that you are engaging in life is going to help you to heal from burnout, from, you know, stress and all of the stuff that can impair um, your professionalism and your personal life when it comes to being an expat abroad. I think we have to do a lot more work in that regard because we're not at home. Um, we don't have the, the accoutrements or creature comforts 
or access to family and friends like we would if we were back home, right? So we have to figure out what does that look like? And here's a question for y'all. What does the concept of chosen family and community look like for you as educators working abroad? Um, I'll start this one off. It looks like for me, so when I first moved here, going back to what you were talking about earlier, this idea of toxic positivity, um, which in turn means like people who try to show like just their, like, oh, this idea of faith. I don't know if you guys heard this, but like this idea of faith and just like having like locals who are just positive, but they're positive for all the wrong reasons. Like they are just outwardly not showing their negativity because they worry about how they're being perceived um, rather than having real life experiences in a moment. And um, since moving here and learning about that, and then not only that, but also talking more to people who look like me because having a black face and communicating certain instances and experiences is a relief. And then um, also on top of things being like, um, you know, LGBTQ, like I have to find additional people right. to relieve myself of like the stress of like being queer, which is also stressful in such a very um, conservative accepting country as China. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Thank you. Uh, for mm-hmm. me here, um, interesting enough, although a, a lot of, like I said, expats have come over to help with the educational system, what, what's so beautiful, though, about Arabic culture is they focus on relationship building. Mm. So they really, I mean, you could come in and they, uh, the principals, I go in, as, as I told you, as a manager, I go into schools and you'll sit and have coffee, you'll have the Arabic coffee, the Turkish coffee. And that could take up a whole hour. And you're like, I haven't done anything yet. So it's actually taught me to like slow down a little bit. Although work, you know, the task could be, you know, coming at you, you know, really quickly from the managerial side. But when it comes to the school and what's at the school level, it actually could be quite nice. And one of my colleagues said it the other day, she said, um, like right now it had been slow prior to spring break. And she said, just enjoy this space, which I thought was really nice. She, don't, she was like, just enjoy the time, you know, enjoy the space, focus on something else, even though it doesn't seem like you're doing something that's meaningful to you, just enjoy that space. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they really do a lot on relationship building as oh Arabic culture. Yes. Listen, don't make me hop on a plane when we can travel <laughs> to the UAE. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah, I guess for me, I think it's important to um, not hang out with uh, people who are, you know, like fake happy, insanely happy. Everything is just, you know, hell yeah, everything's just great. This is great. Like, no, stay away from those people. That's what I do. You know, people who are just real, we can complain together. Yeah. And, uh, but still, we're still having fun. We find things to have to do and have fun. That's yeah. what's important. Not those, you know, those insane types. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 everything. Like, no, relax, get out of here. That's not real. <laughs> Listen, so. I hear you. I, You know, there's a thing, it's choosing to be happy, right? 
but in the in yes. the in the doing of choosing to be happy does not mean that you deny how you feel if yeah. you're not happy. Um, yeah. All emotions yeah. are important. All emotions are valuable, even the ones that feel uncomfortable. But I, I know in like in a cultural context, we all coming from a variety of cultures, even as black people, the subcultures underneath that are even, you know, different. So we don't necessarily know how other people have been raised or forbidden from showing emotion or given the opportunity to emote and be intelligent in that way. So it's really having a deep understanding of who you are, being able to set boundaries and kind of knowing like who are, like, you know, Ronnie was saying, who are the people that I'm vibing with? What does, what do I need when it comes to community and chosen family in these, in these countries that we're living in, because uh, that that's a protective factor. You know, being able to have a good, healthy community of support is going to help you through the difficult days uh, that always show up. And I have, you know, here's another question: If you notice, what time of year do you notice that your mood begins to shift and things get a little bit more challenging? Like I know for me, it's around November when Thanksgiving hits, the weather changes. I get seasonal defect, affective disorder every year. And I have to be really intentional about taking care of myself from like November to December. Because um, that time of year is always difficult for me. So I'm wondering if you all were to think about that, what, what do you notice? So for me, I'll go first because I haven't gone first in a while. Um, so for me, it, it, the weather doesn't change drastically here. Right. You know, it's hot and then hotter <laughs> as the year goes. <laughs> but um, it is around November, December, because sometimes when we're not able to go home for whatever reason, you know, it's missing home, you're missing Thanksgiving, you're missing Christmas, you're missing all those holidays. Yeah. And then and then the year's ending. And so it's a reflection period for me as well. Yeah. So yeah, there are these moments where I have to check in with friends a little more often during that time as a support system. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, I guess for me, I love like November. Lonnie, December, I think you're on mute. Oh, Hello? No, I can hear you. There's just, it's a okay, delay. Okay, maybe it's me. Okay, sorry. I have, yeah, I'm so sorry about these technology gremlins today. Oh my goodness, they don't want us to be great, but we're going to be great anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, um, you know, the, the first time this happened, this was like November, December, I was really um, getting depressed. That was when I was in Australia because everything's backwards here. It's like summer. And I love winter. I love fall, spring. I, I don't like summer. I like winter. So it's like my favorite time of year, November, December, January. It's snowing or it's very cold. You get to wear your boots and scarves and everything. And here it's summer. So I went, I was invited to a barbecue, a work barbecue. And this was a, you know, a few years ago. And I couldn't stay there. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Like, it's December. No. And I just, like, in my head, I was just like, I can't do this. So, I mean, I had to leave. I was just like, I was really, I, I really felt depressed. I was really feeling down. Because I'm like, this is like blasphemy or something. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the word for it. I mean, and I, I bet it has a lot to do with the fact that you're from Jersey. And the, there's so much emotion connected to that time of year for you. And then to go somewhere where it is 
completely opposite. It's my enemy, Summer. I don't like it. <laughs> Listen, we from Texas, so <laughs> the winter over I, here I'm, is brutal. Brutal. It's awful. I am not about that life. Like, and it's not. You know what? What really trips me out? It's cold, but there's nothing you're getting from it. Like, there's no snow. There's no like. <laughs> you get this magic. All these pictures and stuff. You just get cold, blistering, yeah. dry, cold. Yeah. yeah so tell me how do y'all cope during these times of year like what does that look like for you for me so uh, I, I said s surrounding myself uh with friends during that time yeah so, so sometimes there are a group of us that don't go home around december i didn't go home this past december mm -hmm. uh, because i thought i was resigning from my job and they've held me a little longer than normal but i finally got my resignation papers <laughs> So I'll be going home soon. So congratulations! Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So yeah, so me, I, I'm always aware of it. So I just make sure I reach out to friends more. So I actually be more proactive in my um, relationships with my friends. Yeah, yeah for sure. Anyway, I, I, one of the things I do, one thing I want to add that I do also because I haven't gone home uh, since COVID actually, is I also set times um, to meet with friends that are living across the world. So I'll set like a Zoom chat. So yeah. we'll do a chat and we'll set it at a certain date uh, during the week, and that's been yes. nice as well. Listen, Zoom has made all the money since COVID yes. hit. Um, I don't oh, know yeah. Zoom dates and, and parties and, and baby showers and birthdays <laughs> and funerals, unfortunately, that I've been able to attend yeah. since COVID hit, but it really helps. It has helped me to, concept, to conceptualize, be like, that's my word for the year is intentional. Be intentional because you do not know what that next two months, three months, six months is going to look like, or if I can go somewhere. So for sure. I was about to say something. I forgot. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um, How do you cope? I do? Oh, yeah. well, I said a uh, boycott summer. So I went back to China. <laughs> what you gonna wear? Uh, trench coat in Australia? I was gonna say, Ronnie's trying to have cold girl summer over there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like when that happened, I just realized, I was like, I, I don't want to do this because I was here for three years working like in universities or whatever. And it was just like, nope. So I went back to China for about two and a half years before, you know, the whole pandemic. Yeah. I was like, boycott summer. Nope. And so when it was summer in China, I would come here. When it was summer here, you know, go back. Yeah. Okay. That so that's a, when the world was a bit more open, um, which I think the world but is now, opening up, but yeah. China is not. Right. No, what I do now is, um, what do I do now? Just what um, Gina said, as far as reaching out to family and friends, very important. Yeah. Hang out to the people that make you feel like sunlight. That's it. Yeah. Ooh, I love that quote. Can you type that in the chat? Because I'm going to use that in the in the group notes. I like that. This is my phone. Let me see. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. It was. Alan, you have a comment you want to add? Would you already add? Uh. No, I think everyone said it all. It's just like reaching out to people, like Ronnie said, that make you feel like someone. Yes, yes. I was so, we've talked about a lot. I would like to, I'm gonna get back to one of these questions that was posed. Um, Y'all obviously know my, my lane is definitely mental health, right? And 
in the juxtaposition to being an expat. So I would say when, what was, what's this question? This is a good one. Um, how can someone who is black, you know, of the diaspora working abroad, break the glass ceiling of starting with being a teacher? Um, someone, the person that posed this question, uh, she was asked this by, I would imagine a student or another individual. And as an academic director at a boarding school, there was uh, some uncertainty on how to answer. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember who the question came from, but I think it's a really good question is how do you, what have you done? What would you suggest people do to be able to extend um, grow up the ladder of experience and opportunity when it comes to um, gaining experience abroad? Um, I think, well, I think for, see, this is a little difficult being in China because it's not just a, for one, you have the language barrier, especially if you want to break the glass ceiling here because you have to speak the language proficiently enough to communicate certain like ideas, concepts. And if you don't, and I'm not saying you're screwed, I'm just saying it'll make it harder. And then additionally, um, there is the barrier of race. Um, I would say being here, there is an obvious barrier of race and um, not to, I'm gonna be honest, like Please. If, it's not, if it's not Chinese, they don't want it. Mm -hmm. You do not want it. They do not want you to sell it. They don't want you to put it out there. And it's not to say that they hate it or don't like it. It's just like they want to promote their own thing. And that's great. I, I applaud that. But it also makes it harder for certain people to have an avenue to like lead to success. And um, I think that for being in upper management or having your own business, you have to carve out that avenue yourself. You really have to get out there and pay, hit the pavement and, um, and show why whatever you're trying to sell, whatever you're trying to promote, whatever you're trying to do is exceptional and why it's made for the group you're, or the audience it's made for. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I want to add to, um, sorry, I want to add to what Alan's saying. Um, you also are going to have to carve out uh, your own lane as well yeah. here only because here um, the country is moving towards putting all the Emiratis in the key positions so mm. it doesn't give you a lot in terms of growth especially if you're trying to go up the ladder so learning the language is going to be key got to come and learn Arabic otherwise you're not going to be able to go in the top senior level positions because they're looking for someone who's bilingual so that and I would say seek out, seek out community groups there's so many expat groups where you can connect with individuals so if you have an idea um, you want to be an entrepreneur here and there's a lot of opportunity here to be an entrepreneur I would say that's the way to go yeah I'm, wow. I'm a member of many different groups um, some of them are meeting now in person so I would recommend that okay Thank you. Yeah, I was just really quickly piggyback on what Gina and Alan said. Start your own thing, forget the ladder. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sweet yeah. The, ladder was, made, the um, ladder was not made for you. There's another <laughs> ladder over there yeah. that you have to, like there's blocks you have to 
put together. Like you gotta put the bamboo together yourself. Yeah, all, you, all yourself. It's not there's no instructions too. Yeah. Listen, I have a very unique perspective, obviously, with that. That I agree with everything all of y'all said. And when it comes to trying to promote in the in the different countries. I don't necessarily have an issue with them wanting to promote their own, right? We no. There's a level of appreciation and acceptance. I just I don't know. I don't even know how to articulate what I'm thinking. I would just like it to be open, but it it yeah. also means that as each of you have said, whomever is trying to grow in that regard in academia let's just say that for sure you have to be intentional about knowing that you're not the center right you yeah. english or whatever the american way the western way is not centered um in the communities that we're serving not saying that you know western education isn't important because i think most schools know that right um uh, it is the most widely accepted and uh, pathway to move forward but culturally speaking, there has to be an appreciation from those trying to enter that space. I am, again, willing to learn the language. I am willing to be appreciative of the culture that I'm a visiting individual in if I want to move in this space. Like in America, it's more of, I don't like to say the melting pot because that means that we lose our own individualism to create this whole, I think of it more as a salad bowl, right? We have this thing that we're yeah. creating but we each get to keep our own individual identity, that acculturation that makes it that much more better, that, you know, more much more desirable. And so everybody else don't have to do that. So then creating your own thing, everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur. It is not for the faint heart. There are so many days when I'm sitting down depressed, like, why am I doing this? But then I know like the message that I have is needed. And it's the gift that you have, somebody needs it. And it's gonna look very different from everyone, right? But that doesn't mean that it's not to be put out there. So I think someone said about connecting in communities, seeking mentors, sitting down and writing out, what do you want, first of all? And how can you put that out into the world? Um, and that does, that does begin with having a self-belief there's there's a lot of times where it's like i don't know up from down but um, there's skill there so being able to have a good supportive community that's going to help you promote that's not trying to drill holes in your boat um without you knowing that's going to be supportive right uh, and vice versa i know where we are in china I'm not necessarily a fan of transactional relationships. I want to connect with people because I want to connect with people. And if we can help each other grow, let's do it. But it's really having an understanding of, of where you are and how people operate and the cultural customs. Um, and if it's okay with your international job, I'm not even going to go into detail about the situation that I've experienced, but I'm moving to a new school because of challenges that I'm experiencing where I currently am um, that I don't have to put up with, right? And so it's knowing yeah. that you have options. So how do you exercise those? Um, and community. Can I, um, 
Yes. Can I add on to that? Yes, ma'am. Really quickly, what I think is important is when you said that everyone, all other groups support each other, I think it's extremely important for us to support one another. That's why I'm so happy to be here on Black and Abroad because, um, you know, this is an opportunity to meet like-minded people where we can support one another. Yeah. We all have different gifts right? Not for money or whatever, but just to say, hey, you know, can you do this? Sure. You know, let me help you in your business because I'm the type of person, I mean, I'm having my own business too, but I'm, I'm like a cheerleader type. I like being in the team and I like saying, hey, I can do this. Hey, you need yeah. this? I can do this. And I know that I really like to work, but I want to support. I want us to support each other. I want to support my sisters and brothers. You know, yeah. this is what it's about. And we really need to kind of get that together and strengthen that a whole lot more and stop trying to compete. Yeah. There's no competition. We all have our own lanes. Let's just help each other out. And if we get together and lift each other up, that's when the world would treat us differently because the world is basically a mirror of how we're treating each other. This is what mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. We don't support each other the way we need to. Mm -hmm. We cut each other down. We try to, you know, stomp on each other's or whatever it's like no you're doing this I'm jealous I'm going to take your idea and try to do it over here instead of being just let me help let's help each other let's get it together yeah. and when the world sees that that's how they will respond back to us it'll be it's a mirror so we have to kind of get it together first and stop hurting each other and start really really supporting each other without expecting anything let's just rise that's yeah. it Oh my God. I agree with. Go ahead. Go ahead, Alan. No, I was just going to say, like, I agree with Ronnie. And, like, I think, um, you know what? what I'd be um, so impactful, I think, for especially Americans abroad, especially Black Americans abroad, was this collective energy after the George Floyd incident. I never mm -hmm. felt such a sense of community from, like, my like the black people around me and it it's something like I think as I got older I just started to really realize like back when I was young my mom would say like you really need to support like black individuals black individuals because mm -hmm. we always try to fight for the token spot and it, that's not gonna that's that that can't work anymore that's not gonna work anymore there's no more token spots it's either all of us or none of us. And that's how I think it should be. Because you can't just say, oh, there's only space for one, this one Black person or there's only space for this one Black person. We all need to collectively realize, yeah, we all need to collectively realize that if not, that wall isn't broken down for everyone to move and have safe passage through, then why even want to be in that door? Yeah. Or go through that door. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Like, there's a saying, many hands make light work, right? Yeah. Um, we are a community chock full of skilled people. We come from skilled people. When, mm -hmm. when we think about, and I hate to even bring up like slavery, but when we think of the transatlantic slave trade, um, I, I was an English teacher at one point and my parents made a point of teaching us about history, but it didn't start there. It started with knowing that we, the people that died on the way, doctors, lawyers, you know, midwives, um, folks that helped to move the culture forward. We didn't come from an oppressed 
type of culture. We are scientists. We are creators. Uh, yeah. We help to build people. So I'm, I'm fully on board with what y'all are saying. Like, how do we, some of us, and probably all of us at some point in our lives, get over ourselves and begin to engage in like that collective work to help each other move forward. And I, 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 it, I just get so frustrated. I was even nervous to do Black and Abroad because I didn't know what the reception would be, especially focusing on mental health, right? Which I know as a professional needs to be the message. The message is never gonna go away. We've always had mental health issues. It just looked different and we didn't have the resources. So now that we're in a space where we have access, we have resources, we have stories to tell, somebody has to provide the platform, right? And I, I, I was just like, having like this kind of a crisis, I put this idea on the shelf for six to nine months. And my mama was like, so when are you going to do this? Um, like, yeah. what you going to do? Because you're going to be in torment because you know it's in you, but you're not doing mm-hmm. anything with it. Um, I have Can so I, much um, to say. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall, um, I, I, just because you remember I have to leave, I have to go into my class. Yeah. So um, Ronnie and Alan, I, I just want to uh, just touch base on what you just mentioned. I agree that um, trying to channel the power of collaboration amongst the Black community, especially, um, Mm -hmm. has been important to me. And I'm also building a platform specifically for women, just because I think sometimes as women, we try to be too competitive with each other. And I would say, and the research is clear there, like the more women work together, the better off they will be. Yes. So I just want to say it's been wonderful. Kendall, thank you for giving us the space. Ronnie, I hope to connect with you and Alan to connect with you soon. But I just want to say goodbye just because I have a class that started 15 minutes ago. We'll okay, get the, Kendall, we'll see get the information for your platform. But thank you because we'll be talking Definitely. soon. Have a good thank day. You. Thank you, everyone. You too. Okay, have a good day, everyone. All right. Bye-bye. So we are nearing, we have about a few more questions and we'll, we'll um, close out the session. One thing I would like to ask, um, we've talked about maybe negative experiences. That's not necessarily the focus that I want for this particular session. But what I'd like to know, as I think we touched on this though, how can we continue to be better allies for our black colleagues and coworkers? That's always a sensitive point. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, what I try to do is just hang out with them, you know, get to, get to know them. Yeah. You know, it's really weird. I have to, I'm in Australia now and I see, you know, um, African brothers and sisters. I'm not sure, you know, where they're from or whatever, but one thing we don't do is like speak to each other. I don't know. Maybe this is, I don't know if this a a U.S. thing or what, but it's like, I don't like to pass a brother or sister without giving them a nod or, you know, what's up or something like that. And I don't like the fact that, you know, people just don't like speak. And that's like the culture here, but it shouldn't be our culture. So I don't know. I don't like that. Anyway, what I try to do is just meet people, talk to people, open up and try to create friendships. That's all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Alan? Um, I don't know. You know what? Uh, to say that, you know, I think 
ever since I moved here, I've just tried to be more mindful about promoting just like like you, Kendall, and like um, we have like friends in common that has our own businesses, some are artists, some are educators. Um, I think my biggest thing is like just doing things like promoting whatever they're trying to do. Like you and your show, Black Abroad, um, our other friend, Alex, her uh, Tatiana podcast, um, uh, our other friends, like I said, who are artists, just be, like when they were, hey, I have this thing, can you come? Can you also help donate like some proceeds to this? And I was like, yeah, sure. You're, like right. being like gung-ho about these things and being like, what, what do you need me to do? And honestly, it's, they're honestly asking just not a lot at all. Just the bare minimum, show up. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. that's really important. Just show up and participate and show that we collectively are together on this is a lot. Yeah. Just having mm -hmm. everyone together is a lot. I agree. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, if what's the kind of support that I need and whatever I need, I'm always willing to give and not even giving it to you so that you can do something for me. That's not the way I was raised at all. But it's, again, no. if I'm talking about us being able to support each other, not in a transactional manner, but helping to spread the message. Because when one wins, we all win, hopefully, right? Yeah. Um, but doing my part, I was not raised to be one that is a talker and not a doer. My parents raised me to be both. If you have this mm -hmm. message, do the work behind it. Let, let your work speak for you. Um, yes. But I would even say that connecting with other black colleagues at work sometimes I find that it can be a mixed bag because when I see black people I automatically want to connect like just on GP right just because we black and we in this non-black space I want to see do we vibe and the struggle that I've found is we don't always vibe um what we want isn't always the same and when it is we got it. We hang out. We have fun. We connect. We do that silent, you know, laugh. We kiki. But when it's not, I find that it's really heartbreaking and disappointing because I've noticed that there are some people that like to be the only one. I ain't never been. Yeah. I don't want you to see me over anybody else. I want you to see all of us. Right. And I would go ahead. I would, no, I was. I was just gonna say like, you know, um, I know we're talking about mostly, I mean, we're talking about the black experience abroad, but like, you know, you just see those people, they came here and I'm particularly talking about Beijing, China, they came here for all the wrong reasons. Mm. And you can just identify them immediately like that. Run, yeah, like running for something and back home or mm. just avoiding something that they have to deal with maybe later in life. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I broke up with my ex and I just wanted to change. But like, what you're doing here is like trying to do this, that, A, B, C, D. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I can't be a part of that. Yeah, I hear you. So it's kind of like, while I want to connect with others like myself, look like myself, everybody's mission, I ain't a, I'm not a savior, right? And it's- No. My mom said, I've been invoking my parents a lot. It's kind of like, while there's a desire to connect with one, everybody is not for you. 
And I think right. sometimes I've found mm-hmm. it to be, again, a bit disappointing when our people aren't for us in these sometimes very anti-Black spaces that adds a lot more distress and, and feelings of disconnection um, when working in these spaces that aren't necessarily built for individuals like us. Um, so I, I always wonder like, what, what does that look like? And I know I'm one, I talk about anti-bias, being anti-Black, racial inclusion, DEI, and people that are not used to that. I know I get on the last nerve, which I will continue to do because it's about equity. Because the thing is, I'm sure a lot of our schools have some black kids in them and their needs are just as important as the local culture, right? Everybody's, if you're really an international school. Um, So it's, I I don't have the answer to it. it. It's just something that I always wonder about. How do we how do we create safety for each other um, in these spaces? Um, I don't know. Well, let me ask y'all this. We have just maybe two or three more questions. Let's say there's somebody that's interested in moving abroad to be an educator. I would say, what advice would you give them about being intentional about this process? Um, Okay, well, for me, before before I left, I set the intention to um, be open, um, hang around people who are positive and, and who you vibe with. Uh, don't set too many expectations, kind of go with the flow, whatever you're interested in, like follow your curiosity. Yeah. Um, and, and things will work out, you know, things will work out. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Don't be fake. And people when just pay attention to your energy. That's, yeah. that's the most important thing. I think yeah. um, if you feel weird around someone, that's don't really play cool. with your gut. Like that's your spirit guy telling you, get away from this person. <laughs> like a lot of people, they'll, they'll be hanging with someone and they don't feel comfortable, but then they'll mentally kind of talk themselves out of it. Like, oh no, it's just this. It's like, no, that's your guy telling you what to do and you're ignoring it and you're going to be in trouble for it. So really like, and I think like when you're abroad, you really, well, for me anyway, I really just, uh, that grew that um, instinct, following my instinct. If something feels weird, I'm leaving you alone. We don't need to talk anymore. I don't care. Mm-hmm. you know and that just gets stronger and stronger so really you learn to trust yourself when yeah. you're out here yes trust yourself and your judgment for sure yeah. mm-hmm. what, what yes. would you say alan um honestly uh if you're trying to be an educator especially in china or in just any asian country particularly know the school know the school know the policies yes know it research do research do as much research as you can about the area you're living in and about the like beijing i did my research about beijing about china all of this um still i mean it was helpful when i moved here but like there's still so much i didn't know and then when i like i remember there's this app um, for those who don't know, called WeChat or Weixin, 
um, that people used to communicate, buy things with, and um, it, it's like the all-encompassing app that everyone has. Um, I didn't have that app until like I was in the consulate's office at Houston, waiting online. This guy came up to me. He's like, "Hey, you know, you need this." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm, I'm sure I don't need this." But I was like, "Yeah, I'll, 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 I took, I downloaded the app." He helped me download the app and like get it started. And um, I, I should have did better about that aspect because I read about it, but. No, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. City, culture, school, all of that. Yeah. I want to add to what both of y'all are saying. I think um, working abroad is an amazing opportunity for so many things. But I also believe that it's an opportunity not to be entered into blindly. As you're saying, do Mm -hmm. your research. Identify Mm -hmm. the, you know, right people connect with. But it's, you know, make sure you're doing it for you. And yes. not for somebody else. Um, and again, like you do your research, you identify what are my goals with moving to this country, you know, and what can living my best life in this country look like? And am I going to this country because I'm looking to move in a particular direction in my life or am I leaving something behind that I don't want to deal with? Because those perspectives are very yes. different um when it comes to moving abroad the way you move will be different if you're moving for the presence of something the presence of opportunity peace growth financial independence instead of running from fear trouble bad decisions you know things like that mm-hmm. uh, unchecked mental health family issues um having a plan is really important i am always amazed you know <laughs> when people just pack up and leave and don't have a plan. And I'm, I'm just like, how do you do that? I, right. there, there has to be some level of psychological safety knowing that wherever you go, you'll be okay. But that's not our, I don't think that's our experience, right? Honestly, I, that's mostly white people. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying that. I'm gonna be honest. I mean, I was-, I, I was I, We have to read those. We have to know, like, is right. this- safe yeah. place for us how are we going to be received like we can't just be bouncing around here there no we have to no. be really intentional um what like you said what is safety what does safety statistics look like there is there a community yeah. a thriving community of black people for you know like yes. i said this earlier yeah. i'm i want to move to portugal at some point and i know lots of black women that are there professional black women doing the dang thing there is a growing community um of expats that are really living their best lives and it is a very it's one of the i want to say like the number third safest country um if i'm not mistaken and it's just like intentionality is key for anybody that is watching this you can make your dream come true but you have to be specific about what you're doing this for because times will get challenging my seasonal depression around november Ronnie boycotting winter um, and uh, talk about like (laughs) LGBTQ safety, whatever your situation is, you want to know that you're moving to a place that is going to be accepting for the most part, all of you, that it's a place that you're going to be able to grow and thrive and realize the goals that you're seeking. So I think it's open to everybody, but what's your motive, right? 
Um, yeah. Let me ask you all this. When you think about your why, what is the reason that keeps you going? What's your why? Uh, okay, Alan, you want to go first? Or I'll go. Um, no, go ahead, Ronnie. Um, my why is because I must travel. Um, yes. Meeting people from different cultures, learning languages. I found myself through travel. I found myself through travel. I mean, I started making those short trips from the States and it was like, I just was more sad each time I was, you know, each time I returned to the States, I was just like, no, I want to keep doing this. I want to just travel and I want to keep going with this. So I'm just in my, I'm a nomad. That's why I do it. That's my why. I enjoy the struggles as well as, you know, um, it's like, I, I think, um, for me, I find my gifts through travel and this whole experience. I find out more about myself. And I don't, I'm not looking for an easy life. I'm looking for an interesting one. Mm. And this is my why. I love it. You know, I'm writing these quotes. Man, now, right? is, yeah, I was like, these bangers. I'm, I'm using my phone so I can't type. Yeah. Like, oh, you're fine, but you listen, you laying down the gyms like, yes. Like, uh, like the bangers, the hits, like yes. wait, the hits of Ronnie, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but yeah. It's something I must do. Yes. Mm. I love it. What about you, Alan? Um Honestly, I think that my why is because, well, I, so like I said, I'm uh, earlier in the podcast, I'm going back to school. I wanted to get my master's, um, whether it be, um, so I was, I'm applying to law schools as well as I'm applying for master's in like public administration, um, international relations. And I think my why is I want I want to make it, I want to make the world a more welcoming place for people like me. Not only people like me, like look like me are like identify as I identify, but like marginalized people who they don't have a space. And honestly, yeah. I don't, I don't know why that's always been inside my like soul to really make it like to carve out a space for everyone at the table. Because I've like, when I was younger, I always felt like in America, especially when I started learning about politics. Um, one of my heroes when I was growing up was Thurgood Marshall. Like when he, I, you know, the first black man to be appointed to the Supreme Court and learning about his struggle. And then now we have, now we have Clarence Thompson, Thomas. Uh, yeah, we don't claim it. But now we got Katanji. Katanji, yes, we have Katanji and you know, seeing them for the better sense of the word, providing or promoting, um, promoting like this sense of, how am I, what am I, how do I say this? Bettering the community. This is like, they're bettering community, not just for black people, but for all people. Yeah. And that's crazy to me. That is so, like, they're bettering not just 
Americans in America, but they're also bettering Americans abroad. Yeah. And even those people who want to be American, I think that's cool. You know, having like, like Kentanji on the like Supreme Court, now we can attack migrants and how we handle immigrants and how they become citizens in the US. I think that's important because yeah. for the longest time, especially under a certain administration, these people didn't have an avenue to be American citizens. Yeah. And I think that's wild. Like America should be this place where if you wanna come and you want to, if you want to be there, you should be able to be there. I agree. Uh, one of the things that I hear often when I do these interviews um, or I'm on um, Shar's app, I want to I want to I want to pause for just a second and I want to promote the expat app created by Shar Winter. She that is how Ronnie and nice. I connected and Gina and myself. Yeah. I know Alan in Beijing, but she has created a space, <laughs> this app that is a wealth of knowledge and resource and community for Black expats abroad. So my why? <sighs> to promote the message of mental health in communities of color, primarily the Black community, utilize a gift that was given to me to share stories, to connect people, um, to create safe space, whole space for those who don't have the opportunity to be their full authentic selves that is my why um so yes we are going to end it with can you all tell us what what's what's the most how have you grown the most what has been the biggest growth opportunity for you while living abroad and we'll close out with that Yeah, you go. You go first, Alan. Um, honestly, I've grown so much living abroad because, like we were discussing earlier, I don't have my family, my friends. Um, I have to rely heavily on my chosen family here. But um, I've grown one financially independent. I've grown mentally, um, maturity-wise. I've grown tremendously. God. I remember the first year I was here, I got, I used to just drink, party, blah, blah, blah. Now, my little old ass, I'm at home on weekends. Well, you 30, you are not old. You know, what I just say, like, I mean, like, I don't want to go out past one. I, don't, I just, like, no, that one's not a pillow to me. I'm going home. I'm going to my bed. Exactly. Uh, mm. So it sounds like you've learned to be comfortable where you are, right? And that all of this external stuff isn't needed for you to experience a good time. No, 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 no. I, I mean, like, not, I say that in the sense that, like you said, um, I do have these different things around me, but I don't need to, if they're unnecessary, I don't need to have them. If it, it's, or better yet, what my mom said, it's just not for me. If it was for me, it would come to me. True. It's not for me. Yes. Thank you, Ronnie. Um, for me, there's been so many lessons, but one is to, um, I guess, depend on myself. Like when it comes to hair care, I don't do relaxes anymore. Um, I, you have to figure it out. Like I had to figure it out or go bald. So just that um, 
just knowing that I can just make anything happen and to have that independence, I can trust myself. That's like huge. Yes. Also, I mean, I didn't cook before and now I cook, you know, since my China experience because I love the food so much. So I can cook some of it. Okay. So it's just, um, you know, just language, trusting myself, knowing that I could be stripped of everything and dumped into a world where I don't know anything and, and I'm able to like swim. Like yeah. I could be thrown in whip, I could be thrown in a river and I'll pick up and swim. Yeah. So just that self-assurance that, you know, no matter what, I'll be all right. Oh, I love it. I would I would say that mm-hmm. what I've learned about myself is that self-assuredness, that no matter what people say, walk in my truth. Stand, yeah. you know, being confident that the skills that I have will make room for me. Um, I can survive yeah. in any situation. Um, and that my voice matters. That Absolutely. it may not be for everyone, but it is for someone. And to be able to learn to exercise a power that I've been granted in a way that is going to be beneficial for others and open the door for other people. So I, that is definitely how I've been able to grow um, from this particular experience. And, and as both of you have said, just trusting myself more. Like, yeah, this is an act of faith, like moving abroad, living in a whole nother country, having a fan for yourself, don't not having the comfort mm-hmm. of mama, mama, my mama, mama, daddy, my, my sister, no, it's me. Nobody. And how yeah. do I, create the world, the life that is meaningful to me. I have, I'm, we all are so empowered to create a meaningful life. That is one of the most important ways that I think I've grown. I don't think I get it right every day, but I would definitely, I would definitely say that for sure. So I want to thank you all. Uh, And Gina, I know you had to leave job, but I'm grateful I want to thank you guys so much for such an in-depth conversation. It can go on for hours, but clearly my technology does not want that to happen today. Um, (laughs) So um, I definitely would like to do more of these things. If either of you are interested in doing uh, a separate episode, please let me know. It's all about spreading the message, um, showing other people what's possible. And I want to definitely say for everyone that's watching, Thank you for spending this time with us today, for tuning into a special episode of Black and Abroad, Black Educators Abroad. I encourage you to keep taking risks, impacting your communities, and make sure, most importantly, that you prioritize your mental health. Please go visit the YouTube channel um, and the podcast. You know, like, share, subscribe, because as we've said through this episode, that is how we help one another right? Let's spread the message so that we can help each other thrive. And with that, I want to say thank you. And we are going to close out. So peace. Hey, y'all. Have a good one. Enjoy your day.